It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Well, good morning, and thank you for joining us this morning. Yesterday, we had lots of ice in Tupelo, and that's why we didn't do a live program. So it's really nice to be back with you, and so much has happened uh, that we need to talk, don't we? And so we're going to start right away. Let me just say that over the weekend, the president, your president, Trump, uh, the former president of the United States, not by his own fault or even by the voting of the people, uh, was impeached again by the democratically controlled Congress, Uh, But when it came time for the Senate to hear it over this past weekend, it didn't go so well. Uh, In a vote to uh, 57 to 43, they voted to convict the president, but they have to have 67 votes to do that. Now, there were Republicans who helped. Of course they helped. And they were Senator Richard Burr uh, of North Carolina, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, Susan Collins of Maine, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, and Mitt Romney of Utah, and Ben Sass from Nebraska, and Pat Toomey from Pennsylvania. Now, I have to tell you that of this group, Richard Burr in North Carolina, Bill Cassidy in Louisiana, uh, Mitt Romney in Utah, and Ben Sass in Nebraska, and Pat Toomey in, in Pennsylvania are getting tremendous pushback, and in some cases censure, uh, from the Republican parties of their states. And so there were, like, Separate votes, several separate votes, as you know, Saturday morning, suddenly at the last minute, the impeachment managers decided to call a witness. And they thought, I think that, I don't know who they're, I don't know, I missed it, maybe you heard who the witness was going to be, but uh, they changed their mind in due course because the president's uh, defense team decided, yes, you do that, let's call witnesses. And our first one will be Nancy Pelosi. Uh, We will call the head of the Capitol Police. We'll call the sergeant of arms. Uh, We'll call Muriel Bowser. Uh, They had subpoenas ready for all of them. And they can tell us, you know, why no one brought in help for the Capitol Police. Why did you refuse the National Guard that President Trump offered, 10,000 he offered uh, days before January 6th? Why did you, why, why, why? And so suddenly uh, they didn't, it wasn't so, they got a little meek on us. They got just a little bit meek. And, of course, then the vote had to proceed, and President Trump was not, uh, you know, the the Senate did not find him guilty, and the impeachment was tried, and that was it. So uh, there there were lots of things that happened. Uh, Senator Schumer came, of course, and had to put the best face on it. So let's listen to what uh, he is, of course, the majority leader for the Democrats in the Senate, and here he is, clip three. So let me say this. Despite the results of the vote on Donald Trump's conviction in the court of impeachment, he deserves to be convicted. And I believe he will be convicted in the court of public opinion. He deserves to be permanently discredited. And I believe he has been discredited in the eyes of the American people and in the judgment of history. 
even though Republican senators prevented the Senate from disqualifying Donald Trump for any office of honor, trust, or profit under these United States, there is no question Donald Trump has disqualified himself. I hope, I pray, and I believe that the American people will make sure of that. And if Donald Trump ever stands for public office again, and after everything we have seen this week, I hope, I pray, and I believe that he will meet the unambiguous rejection by the American people. All right, well, that was Senator Chuck Schumer, you know, after not so bold and boastful as he once was. And, of course, what happened? I mean, he, he wants the American people to soundly reject President Trump and continue, you know, the uh, destruction that they have uh, so happily begun and thought they had completed. But meanwhile, down in Florida, where President Trump resides, uh, he actually left his uh, his home. Uh, and as he drove through in his car, it sounded like this. USA! 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 All right, so, uh, and there's more. I mean, I could play uh, two minutes and 11 seconds of that, but... <laughs> You know, people, uh, he was, you know, his face, he's smiling through the back of his uh, limo, and people are cheering him on. That's how roundly rejected he is by probably the 80 million. And that's a that's a guess because the actual count was like 72 million, but we know because of all the fraud. By the way, Sidney Powell has just issued more information about all the other votes they're finding, the fraudulent votes uh, switched by machines. And I, maybe if I have time, I'll get into that. But... Um, all right, so what happened? What happened in this trial? I don't know if you watched it. We The last time we spoke, uh, we were watching the Democrats bring their case. We talked about the edited video. We talked about political theater. We talked about how the Nazis perfected the use of propaganda videos. And I told you that's exactly what that was. It wasn't that none of that stuff happened, but it was strung together to make it look as though Trump supporters were the people that were in the middle of that incursion shouting, blank the police, burn it down, uh, whose house, our house, which sounded a whole lot more like Antifa and Black Lives Matter than any Trump rally that anyone has ever been to. And so with that, uh, the Republican or the, the attorneys that were representing President Trump, who started out so badly the day that they first laid out their case, and uh, we talked about that, about just how distressing that once again he should not have strong a strong representation. Well, they came out swinging uh, in their response to the Democrats' um, to the Democrats' uh, so-called evidence that they laid out. And if you did not watch it, go back on YouTube and find the the arguments and listen to them because you will be you will be very happy. I'll tell you something. One person put it this way: um, the fake media were forced to broadcast Team Trump's brilliant and brutal impeachment rebuttal. The closing arguments, which included utterly damning video of every major Democrat and all kinds of fake media anchors doing exactly what they accused Trump of doing disputing election results, and calling on supporters to fight. And best of all, after years of the media's outright lying to the public, the networks were all forced to broadcast the truth, the full unedited video that debunks their very fine people hoax. And that was the one that happened in Charlottesville where President Trump was accused of supporting Nazis uh, when they took his words out of context, and that was played. That was just part of what was played. But I want to give you a touch of it just to wet your, wet your appetite in case you didn't see it. Uh, they did play a montage of, uh, you know, the president was charged with inciting 
you know, a, a, an insurrection, inciting violence. That was the one single impeachment charge against him. And they accused him of, um, of to- telling people to fight in his speech. Well, they played a montage of Democrats. You've heard a lot of these clips, but some of them maybe you haven't. This is all Democrats and some people in media who are Democrats uh, saying, well, let's see, interesting things. This is clip two. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. You've got to be ready to throw a punch. You have to be ready to throw a punch. Donald Trump, I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. That I thought he should have punched him in the face. I feel like punching him. I think I'd like to take him behind the gym if I were in high school. If we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the no, I wish you were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. I will go and take Trump out tonight. Take him out now. Okay. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Please, get up in the face of some Congress people. People will do what they do. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. We're going to go in there, we're going to... This is just a warning to you Trumpers. Be careful. Walk lightly. And for those of you who are soldiers, make them pay. If you had to be stuck in an elevator with either President Trump, Mike Pence, or Jeff Sessions, who would it be? Does one of us have to come out alive? (laughs) All right, so that is part, that is just a tiny part of what the defense of President Trump presented. And you heard even just the audio without seeing it, how powerful it was. That was Nancy Pelosi with John Tester, Kamala Harris cackling about only one would come out alive. Joe Biden, I'd like to take him behind the, uh, the you know, I'd like to beat him up. Um, I'd like to, we need to put a bullet through him, said Steve Schmidt, uh, who was one of the founders of the Lincoln Project. And I'll get to the Lincoln Project later because that's a whole other story. Cory Gardner, Chuck Schumer threatening the Supreme Court. Chris Cuomo, Cuomo talking about protesters. Oh, I could go, uh, Maxine Waters, of course, you know that voice. And so that's part of, that was part of their defense of him. And it was absolutely uh, phenomenal. And then, of course, when they got ready to call witnesses, as I told you, uh, something very interesting happened. I'll let Caitlin Collins, who's in, on CNN, kind of describe that moment when Saturday morning they wanted to call a witness, and then they changed their minds. Here's clip five. Caitlin Collins, uh, I understand you're uh, getting some more information uh, from the uh, Trump team. What are you hearing? Well, of course, Wolf, as we noted earlier, they are just as caught off guard by this as everyone else is. But the question, of course, if we do are getting witnesses and they're still figuring out, of course, what this is going to look like is who they are calling and who the former president's defense team wants to call. And right now, if we're looking at this picture that we just saw from Jason Miller, the Trump team's advisor, who brought out a list saying that they have a prepared list of 300 witnesses that they would like to call. And of course, Wolf, not all of those are going to get called, not even close, but it does show you the length of that. Because we're running out of time, but you get the point. And they freaked out, and then that's when they conceded. Oh, they didn't say we concede, but they stopped fighting because they knew they had had it. And so um, I want to be sure and get this in. This was on. This is something that we've been talking about that the left was very much present and organizing 
and in, and inciting violence among uh, Trump supporters who had no knowledge of what was happening. This is from One American News. Let's listen. Clip six. Known anti-Trump leftists have publicly bragged and confessed to having organized the violence at the Capitol that day. The Trump defense brief cites a breaking January 17 exclusive by Alicia Powell, published on Gateway Pundit. Powell found archived tweets of Mike Dunn, leader of the Boogaloo Boys, an anti-Trump anarchist group whose followers call for the toppling of the federal government. Dunn was found bragging about his role in organizing the violence at the Capitol. Powell then discovered how Dunn tweeted in real time how he had fire teams blended into the MAGA crowd to taunt, quote, tyrants like Trump. In an interview with Reuters on January 9, Dunn further lauded himself over the fact that three or four groups of loyalists under his command helped storm the Capitol and embraced the moment to strike against the government. And when a Twitter user lamented the storming of the Capitol and argued that such violence had been committed by infiltrators, not Trump supporters, Dunn responded publicly, yeah, we know. Dunn also wrote a confession on Parley where he lays out how his undercover boys, quote, went to work to hype up the people. In another damning tweet, Dunn writes, everyone calling us Trumpers and I am the one who led this march. I strongly dislike Trump and most Republicans. Rounding out his anarchist profile, Dunn also claims to dislike Democrats. Worse, Democrats have made a pointed effort to ignore the fact the Boogaloo Boys, by their own admission, have been active participants in the BLM protests of 2020 in their dislike for Donald Trump. In what the Trump legal brief argues is and will remain an ignored point by the Democrats, the real truth is that the people who criminally breached the Capitol did so of their own accord and for their own reasons. All right. And the other thing was uh, Doug Schoen, in the, he was one of the President Trump's attorneys, also talked very clearly about two weeks, two weeks, two blocks from the Capitol. I think it was on Third Street, Second Street. Uh, there, anarchists were seen assembling their gear, getting off of buses, uh, preparing. That was in the morning of January the 6th. That's something you probably haven't heard. But that is the kind of defense that was offered for the president and uh, the, the Senate did not vote to impeach him. It was uh, it was good. It was really good. Just a, a rare moment. I have more to say about it because I want you to hear things that are encouraging and true. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Byron Paulus with Life Action Ministries and the founder of One Cry. Right now, the iron is hot. The desperation is growing. And people everywhere are talking about the potential of revival and spiritual awakening. I know of no better time than to inject in the middle of that what has been the longest running continuous revival conference in North America. It's called the Heart Cry for Revival Conference. It'll be integrated with the Collegiate Day of Prayer, a powerful time with speakers that we have carefully selected to help lead us into an understanding of the ways of God right now in the midst of all that He is doing. The Heart Cry for Revival Conference is February 24th through the 26th. This year's conference is available exclusively online. Register for free at heartcryforrevival.org. While you're there, check out the list of speakers and workshop leaders. I look forward to seeing you end of February, Heart Cry for Revival Conference. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. 
Today, we pray for White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. She's the spokesperson for the President and the Executive Branch of the Federal Government. Colossians 4.6 reminds us of the importance of speaking well in our interactions. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Jen Psaki in her role as White House Press Secretary. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Pray with us as we lift up each state's freshman senators and representatives as part of our 2021 BOLD initiative, Beside Our Leaders Daily. Learn more at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Virginia teachers, take the lead in education with up to 64% off your graduate degree at Liberty University. This year has forced you to innovate, adapt, overcome, and you've not only risen to the challenge, you've crushed it. Now help education emerge from this crisis stronger than ever with your MAT or MED degree. Our transfer-friendly degree programs are 100% online and start as low as $282 per credit hour. It's our thanks for all you do for our future. To learn more, text TEACHER to 49595. That's TEACHER to 49595. Aunt Jemima has a new name, Quaker Oats, renaming and rebranding their famous pancake mix and syrup, known today as the Pearl Milling Company. Doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, does it? Quaker Oats gave Aunt Jemima the heave-ho after the cancel culture mob said it was based on a racial stereotype. In addition to renaming Aunt Jemima, they also announced a $1 million gift to uplift black women. So, after 131 years, Aunt Jemima joins Mrs. Butterworth and Uncle Ben on the politically incorrect correct dial at the Piggly Wiggly. The new name, an homage to the original mill that created the pancake mix that would eventually become Aunt Jemima. When the cancel culture mob goes after our breakfast food, they've gone too far. What's next? Banning the Irish guy from the Lucky Charms? And heaven help the poor kid who starts his day with a bowl of Cocoa Puffs or Fruity Pebbles. Be sure to download my free podcast. Read more about this story at ToddStarns.com. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I am your president of law and order and an ally of all peaceful protesters. The vast majority of, of the protesters have been peaceful. Republicans stand for law and order and we stand for justice. I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, maybe there will be. My administration will always stand against violence, mayhem, and disorder. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. I stand with the heroes of law enforcement. And you push back on them, and you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. We will never defund our police, Together, we will ensure that America is a nation of law and order. We're in high school. I'd take you behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. But I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. I feel like punching him. We just want law and order. Everybody wants that. I want to tell you, Lord Judge. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. We want law and order. We have to have law and order. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. We believe in safe streets, secure communities, and we believe in law and order. All I can say is two can play at that game. 
And the truth is always more powerful than lies. It always will be. The thing that strikes me about what happened over the weekend is that those lies, which were presented earlier in the week and twisted the video of what happened on January 6th, some of it true, a lot of it not true, and presented, even if it was true, in a way that incriminated Trump supporters and ignored the involvement of the left or any other kinds of elements. It was powerful, but not as powerful as when President's defense team got up and actually played video that were true and accurate and represented accurately. And I think you can honestly see this nervousness come over the House managers because truth is like, it is really, honestly, if you ever saw the old Dracula movies, maybe they still do this in the vampire movies. I don't know because I don't watch them. They used to be a little less dreadful when I was a kid. But if you showed a vampire across, he would melt. He couldn't stand it. Uh, a Dracula, I'm sorry, not a vampire, a Dracula. If you showed him a cross, that was the thing he couldn't bear. He couldn't stand it. And so it was the dramatic moment where the person who was like being attacked or the Dracula was coming toward them would hold up the cross. Uh, Frankenstein would, would freak out and go into a panic and couldn't hurt them. A Dracula. I'm so sorry, mixing up my monsters. <laughs> but it is. It is Dracula. And so um, this is what I saw happening. I just saw people that were lying, who were emboldened by their lies and carried away with their power, were were really reduced to a silliness. And I'll give you some idea of their silliness. We know that they made, they actually twisted their evidence. They actually uh, twisted things that they showed on the screen. And that's one of the things that the uh, Trump defense team brought out. And I want you to hear Michael Vanderveen, this is going to be clip seven, where he gets into it after the trial with a CBS reporter in which they discuss the altered evidence. And it was, let me just say before we even play this, I know, I'll say it after we play it, because I want you to hear what he has to say to this CBS uh, news female who's talking about the doctored evidence. Let's listen, clip seven. The prosecutors in this case doctored evidence. They did not investigate this case, and when they had to come uh, to the court of the Senate to put their case on, because they hadn't done any investigation, they doctored evidence. It was absolutely shocking, I think, uh, when when we discovered it and we were able to expose it and put it out. Uh, I think it turned a lot of senators. The American people should not be putting up with this. They need to look at who, uh, who these House managers were uh, and look to see whether these are the folks they want representing them. It was, abs- it was shocking to me. Let's follow up with uh, with a point that you're making right now about the House managers, as you say, doctoring evidence. And, uh, and the argument they didn't de- they didn't uh, to be deny clear for it. our viewers. They didn't deny it. Uh, I put it in our, front of them three times. To be clear times. for our viewers. What you're what you're talking about now is is a check mark. Uh, that's a verification on Twitter that that did not exist on that particular tweet. Uh, a 2020 that should have actually read 2021, um, and the selective editing you say of, of the tapes is that how is wait, that wait, the wait, doctored wait, wait, evidence wait, 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 of what you're speaking? Wait, that's not enough for you. 
that's not enough for you? I'm, I'm, I, I, wait, wait, wait. No, sir, no, no. I'm trying. Listen, I, I am not a listen. juror in this trial. That's, what I'm trying to be all, clear for our viewers is what, you, actually, is what you're we, referring we found, to. Because no, not no, everybody no. has found, been following. It's not okay no, not everybody, to doctor sir, a little bit of evidence. Respectfully. respectfully. I have not, not said it question, is. I have not said it is okay. Ma'am, your question is I want turn. to be clear for our viewers. Listen, what I want to be clear for our viewers about what exactly you're saying when you say doctored evidence. The media has to start telling the right story in this country. The media is trying to divide this country. You are bloodthirsty for ratings. And as such, you're asking questions now that are already uh, uh, set up with a fact pattern. I can't believe you would ask me a question indicating that it's all right just to doctor a little bit of evidence. There's more stuff that we uncovered that they doctored, to be frank with you. And perhaps that will come out one day. Yes, and that was actually, that's just a bit of his exchange with that CBS uh, reporter. And he, the more he goes, the stronger he gets. He's so upset. He said, don't you understand what happens in a court of law? If you doctor, and he talks about the Latin term, you know, false in one thing, false in everything. It's one of the things that law students learn, that you can't trust anyone who doctors evidence. I mean, he really, really laid it out. We'll put the entire clip on our Facebook page because I want you to, I want you to be able to see it. Also, uh, Adam, let's put the clips of uh, each of the defense speakers for President Trump. There are three of them, and they did such a great job that I, I really want, I want it to be easy for you to find, assuming Facebook won't take it down. Okay, so we'll do that, and you can go to our Facebook page and actually uh, look. And if you can't, you can't because, you know, Facebook blocks so many things and because they limit really what the reach that we have. Uh, go directly, go to YouTube and, and, and uh, enter uh, closing arguments for uh, Trump attorneys uh, in the impeachment trial. And so you, it'll come up. There'll be three of them. So, all right, so that was Michael Vanderveen. Uh, and he, uh, as he talked, he reminded me so much of a man who became such a good friend to me. His name was Dave Shippers, and he was the attorney for the House managers uh, during the impeachment trial of Bill Clinton. And they brought, Dave was a Democrat. They brought him in from Chicago. I didn't know him prior to, to that trial, but I met him through Henry Hyde, who was the head of the House managers because, impeachment managers, because he was a good friend of mine. He was, um, he, he worked and he worked and helped families with dis, children with disabilities. And I got to know him that way and also politically. And we did become good friends. And I had a front row seat to that impeachment trial. Dave Shippers then, through Henry, became a good friend of mine and was on my show. I got probably, I, I bet you, uh, I, this sounds bragging, and I guess I could say it at the age that I am after this many years, I bet my old shows were some of the best coverage of that trial of anywhere in the country because I had uh, Henry Hyde and Dave Shippers and the impeachment managers hot off the press as soon as they got off the floor. It was incredible. But my point about Dave Shippers was he was a Chicago attorney, just a no-nonsense guy. And his voice, you know, didn't fit in with the Washington elite. And his delivery was so brutally honest. He just wasn't having any of the nonsense. And he cut through the nonsense. And that's exactly what, as you hear um, Michael Vanderveen talking more in this exchange, you'll hear his passion bring out his Philadelphia. And he's not having this Washington ridiculous polish that covers up a deceit and graft, and corruption, and pride, and arrogance. I mean, he's not having it, and it cuts right through. And I love it. It's refreshing. It's like taking a bath in honesty. And so that's what happened. Um, and then um, 
after the uh, the whole di- oh oh I wanted to give you one big thing that they lied about that they've lied about all leading up to this, and the New York Times finally finally had to update their story weeks after it was reported. You know that police officer, the Capitol police officer who was hit by a fire extinguisher by a Trump supporter, and that's how he died. That was the story, right? I've told you before, but I'll tell you again because now the New York Times has finally admitted it. That's not anything about what happened. In fact, they were going to try to bring charges to whoever struck him with the fire extinguisher, and they've had to drop the case because there's no evidence that anything like that happened. And, of course, I told you, but it's news to them, I guess. Brian's brother was tweeting back and forth with him the night after the uh, January 6th, and Brian said, I'm fine. I just been pepper sprayed a couple times, but I'm doing great. And then he was taken to the hospital. They don't know why he died. They think it might have been a preexisting condition. They just don't know. But it wasn't because a Trump supporter hit him on the head with a fire extinguisher. And by the way, Brian, as I'm understanding, was a Trump supporter. If that isn't ironic, I don't know what is. In fact, everyone killed on that day. Uh, at least, the, look, a couple of the policemen, one committed suicide later. We don't know where. we that's That can't be traced, but that's a death that they attribute to January 6th. But of all the ones that died that day, one with a heart attack, one we think was trampled with the crowd, one had a stroke, uh, and the girl that was shot by um, Ashley Babbitt was shot by a... Uh, they were all Trump supporters, and only one was a shot by anyone. And the only gun, the only fire that was... Uh, the only gun that was fired was by Capitol Police. And they also say they were armed. It was an armed insurrection. And Ron Johnson really took them to task on Monday on that in a radio interview. No one was armed. They don't have, they don't have any, they don't, I'm not saying nobody brought guns with them in their cars, but people, there's no evidence that people came armed with guns that were Trump supporters. So that was just a couple of their lies. So, so Eric Swalwell, you know, the lover of the, okay, we, we don't know, but we think lover of the Chinese spy, at least he hung around with this pretty little girl who has uh, seduced others for several years and uh, amazingly advanced in his career in California to become, you know, what he is now, House of uh, the Committee on Intelligence. And uh, he was with the Chinese spy for, uh, what, seven, eight years? But nothing's happened to him. In fact, he's been promoted by Nancy Pelosi. So he had to weigh in on, uh, you know, on what happened with the witnesses. And I thought, you know, you you would find it interesting to hear how he verbalized this. This is clip four. We put forward a powerful, overwhelming case. We went into the day yesterday feeling we had proved the case. New evidence was unearthed right when we concluded last night. We felt a responsibility to get that evidence into the record. Uh, but there, for j- as many people like Jamie Herrera Butler who were willing to come forward and speak up, there were a lot of doors that we knocked on, a lot of phone calls we made, a lot of invitations we sent uh, that were not answered uh, by people who were witnesses. And, you know, the choice was, well, do we chase those people, not knowing what they're going to say, to the courts for years, or do we go forward with a powerful, thundering case that we have? And also knowing that Mitch McConnell was already telling us that he believed the challenge was a jurisdictional one. So we could have called God herself, and the Republicans weren't going to be willing to convict. So we're proud of the case we put forward. Yeah, they're proud. It's sort of tap dancing, don't you think? Tap dan- Very convincing if you are ignorant. Uh, tap dancing, but then ending by saying God herself could have been called as a witness, and he would, have been, would not have been convicted. Say God herself. So we kind of have an idea of where Eric Swalwell and the Radical left is coming from, don't we? 
And, uh, I, I, you know, and that goes to the fact that this is a spiritual battle. I'm, I'm not going to take a detour to talk about the deep issues there, but it, it is. Uh, their God is uh, Satan himself, the prince of this world, and they just don't know it. They, they say all kinds of things, and they are wicked beyond measure, probably beyond what it, they'd even think about. Uh, but they're ha- willingly cooperating. And so Eric Swalwell, God herself, God herself. And so uh, I'll give you another example of uh, Eric Swalwell's uh, twisting of information during the trial. He was just, of course, one of many who twisted uh, facts and twisted themselves into pretzels, and it did not work out. It did not work out. Uh, so Eric Swalwell, there was a, one of the issues that was brought up by the house managers was a tweet by Jennifer Lynn Lawrence. Uh, and it was retweeted by former President President Trump. So they exhibited her tweet, and they when you are on Twitter and you have a special status with them, you get like a um, a blue check. She doesn't have a blue check, so it has a special status. It means something to people that follow Twitter. So they put the blue check up by her, I guess, uh, to indicate. I'm not even sure why, but here's the real nut of it. She said in her tweet, I don't have the exact tweet in front of me, but she said basically to the president, we're bringing in, uh, we're bringing Calvary. Okay, so Eric Swalwell, because he believes God is a woman, doesn't know really that uh, Calvary is not Calvary. So he accused President Trump of retweeting Jennifer Lynn Lawrence's tweet. Uh, that they were bringing in, you know, like an army, like uh, an armed insurrection, the cavalry, when Jennifer was saying, we're going to bring Calvary. We're going to bring God himself, the resurrection. I'll I'll give you her words. She says, "Um, I don't do horses, okay? I'm from New York. I'm not in the army either. So the use of the word cavalry would have been pretty stupid. Bringing the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, uh, in other words, the salvation of everyone, back to Washington was exactly why we organized three successful protests, November 14th, December 12th, and January 5th. We believe our sacred institutions have rotted through with bloat and corruption precisely because they have separated the state from God. And uh, But meanwhile, Eric Swalwell accused the president of uh, retweeting this tweet by Jennifer saying she, was gonna, she wanted to bring Calvary back to the Capitol because he thought she meant the cavalry. But again, if you believe that God is a woman, you certainly don't know much about Calvary, do you? Uh, where Jesus died for the sins of all mankind, including Eric Swalwell and his spy Chinese uh, friend. All of people, everywhere, God gave his son to die for all of us. And that's the incredible story. I wish Eric Swalwell knew that. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Dear One Million Moms, I've always thought that maybe your organization was making a mountain out of a molehill. But today, I cannot believe what I just saw on my TV. Concerned about the trash flowing into your home through today's media that simply will not censor itself? Make your voice heard. If you see trash in the media, tell us. Use the Submit Trash button at 1millionmoms.com. That's 1millionmoms.com. And thanks. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live. 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests 
plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls, so plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away, for truth has stumbled in the street, and uprightness cannot enter. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. In a 6-3 split ruling in the South Bay United Pentecostal Church versus Gavin Newsom case, the U.S. Supreme Court decided California's absolute prohibition of in-person worship was unconstitutional. But it ruled that the government could limit in-person worship to 25% of building capacity. And the government can prohibit in-person worshipers from singing. This from the most conservative Supreme Court in our lifetimes? I missed the part where the Constitution provides a COVID-19 exception to the First Amendment that allows government to dictate church worship policy. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Brian Fisher here with the Life and Liberty Minute. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Not all anger is bad. Some things ought to make us angry, but we must not allow that anger to turn into sin by carrying our anger over even to the next day. We do that by forgiving the person who angered us before we go to sleep. Forgiveness is a decision, not an emotion. Forgiveness is the choice to release people from their debt to us and hand them over to God for discipline. Then we must refuse to bring up past offenses to hurt somebody or score points in an argument. If we don't forgive, then we give a place to the devil to work in our lives. But if we do choose to forgive, we'll discover that the anger and hate will slowly dissipate as we walk out our forgiveness. And that's the path of both life and liberty. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The good news for Texans is that their state has its own bulk power distribution system, colloquially known as the GRID. So if the two grids that serve the rest of the country go down, most of the population of Texas could still have electricity. But that presumes the Texas grid is resilient against natural disasters, including the present terrible winter storm or enemy action. Unfortunately, despite repeated efforts by State Senator Bob Hall, the needed upgrades have largely gone unaddressed. So millions of Texans now face days without power in sub-freezing conditions. Worse yet, despite two executive orders, President Trump aimed at addressing the grid vulnerabilities of the entire nation. We all could wind up permanently blacked out. Were that to happen, by some estimates, 90% of us wouldn't survive. We must secure the grid. Learn how you can help at securethegrid.com. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. I just want to tell you that there uh, an edict has gone out, a cry from uh, Caesar Augustus, a ruling that um, the Department of Defense should extend the troops of occupation in D.C. until next fall. We need protection, they say, because, you know, it's so dangerous because more Trump supporters 
might march upon Nancy Pelosi's office. Um, more of them may come and sit in her chair and do the things that they did. Now, look, I'm not. I, I I'm not really. Yes, I guess I am. I'm laughing at people. Uh, in a way, because some of it was like college antics. Some of it was very serious, but I honestly, I stand by the fact that I don't think that there were hardly any Trump supporters who did illegal acts, hitting police and uh, doing the things that you saw, especially when we know that two blocks away, insurrectionists, real insurrectionists, anti-government fascists were gearing up to go inside the Capitol in the morning, you know, while President Trump, maybe even before he started speaking, I don't know the timeline on that. Uh, but we, the news is not reporting that, and the FBI surely not telling us, are they? All right, so um, so now you know we have to have these troops. In fact, they're they're hoping that they will stay through the fall. Uh, I would say this that uh, Mike Waltz, who is from uh, Florida, he said, you know, he's a former military guy himself. Some of our best congressmen and governors seem to be from Florida right now. He says we still have National Guardsmen out there away from their families away from their jobs, supplementing the police, and yet we can't get a briefing on what is this dire threat that requires so many people. All right, so, and of course, the cost of this is just enormous. But I found out a reason. I Just this morning, a reason came across the airwaves and I, or across the, my, into my inbox. And here it is. This is one of the dire threats. Are you ready? Two people one of whom said they were there to meet with the president, approached U.S. Secret Service officers outside the White House Saturday and were arrested after admitting to having weapons. All right, so then, so that's it. Two people came to the Secret Service around 524 and and they arrested them and they admitted they have weapons. But then you get into the story. The people, the man and the woman, announced to the Secret Service that they had, they were there because they had a meeting with President Joe Biden. Oh, we have a meeting with President Joe Biden, so please let us in. So let us in. Well, first of all, who does that? What rational people or insurrectionists, you know, come in at the gate and say, we have a meeting with the president to the Secret Service. You know, I don't know if you've ever been to Washington, but even when the armed guards are not around and the, and the walls and, and the fences People don't do that. You just don't. It happened in Abraham Lincoln's day, but not so much now. And so now when we look at it, Sylvia Hall, 66, was arrested for carrying a pistol without a license. Okay, so that's, you know, that's in D.C. You can't do that. The other guy, his weapon, he admitted he had a BB gun in his car. In his parked car, he had a BB gun. So these are the two people who were armed and came to the White House. You know, this is the real... This is the terrible, no good threat against Joe Biden. I mean, really, are, it, uh, this is just, um, I'm not, look, they didn't say this is the threat. I'm telling you, this is the kind of story they're going to be fabricating because they have to make a case for what they're about to do. And that is a 9-11 commission uh, to come after uh, the 74 million, probably 80 of million of you who voted for President Trump. And if you don't believe me, Charlie Kirk laid it out really well last night. Let's listen. Clip 11. 
There's a bill that's been introduced by Congressman Brad Schneider from Illinois that will allow domestic agencies the ability with increased surveillance and infiltration against conservative, Christian, or even libertarian groups. You've heard uh, people that have been in the former heads of intelligence agencies list libertarians as part of that, uh, the groups of people that might need to be monitored, infiltrated, or stopped. And that is a tactic that they want to use to try to stop the next Tea Party from being formed in this country. Country. Mark, you were instrumental in the Tea Party back in 2009 and 2010. It was a real grassroots movement that challenged peacefully, might I add, the Obama administration for their overreaches and what they were trying to do through Obamacare, through executive orders. The Tea Party movement was a thorn in the side of the Obama agenda. I truly believe the Democrats are trying to preempt the next grassroots movement by miscategorizing uh, grassroots patriots, by trying to create a narrative that is not true. So I believe this impeachment, they know it's not going to succeed. They, they know all the facts around it. It's a show trial through and through. But even deeper than that, they're trying to stop a conversation around election integrity and create a baseline so that they can have a new surveillance bill passed through Congress. Yeah. So that was Charlie Kirk. And uh, yeah, I think he's telling you the truth. And I think you're beginning to see that some of you who've been visited by the FBI because you dared to go to Washington on January 6th are already seeing, feeling the hot breath of the plans that they have for conservatives and those that supported Donald Trump. And as Green, uh, Glenn Greenwald, a journalist, um, tweeted this, he said, um, CNN clock is counting down the days and the hours until the live 9-11 type commission begins on the Capitol riot. And they have a huge picture of President Trump hovering, hovering over the graphic. Gavel to gavel live coverage with five minutes reserved every six, five, six hours to discuss the Biden administration. Now, that's tongue-in-cheek. Of course, we don't know about that, but the clock is real. Uh, Glenza, Glenza just showing you that this is what's going to be coming. So that's just one other thing that we'll have to be concerned about and watching. You know, Dr. Lutzer, my good friend, is right, has just he's in the process of writing a book, Nowhere to Hide, No, no Place to Hide. And um, it, I think that's going to be the truth of it. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Um, for, you know, God says he'll be with us. Uh, to the ends of the earth. Remember when the disciples uh, were jailed and they were, uh, it was demanded that they stop preaching and they said, we have determined that we must obey God rather than man. And then they were released and they went to the other believers gathered in that room and they said, let's, and they prayed, oh Lord, help us to have strength and boldness and help us to speak truth and to be uh, true to you and to your word, no matter what. Uh, it's just a beautiful passage in the book of Acts. And so uh, that's what we're going to do, right? We're going to stand fast, and uh, we're going to obey God rather than man. That's what we're going to do. All right, so that's that story. Now let me change to a different story. I know that you remember the Lincoln Project, at least parts of it. And if you can't remember exactly what they did, let me remind you. Here's a promo they ran during the election. Clip 13. Clip 13. Clip 13. Grace Mayo, Norman Bernal, Anthony M. Hopkins, William Purcell, Tommy. In six months, COVID-19 has killed more Americans than any disease in 100 years. Donald Trump lied about it, rejected science, and still has no plan to save Americans. Now, Donald Trump has COVID. His White House, his campaign. Gregory Armstrong. COVID-19 doesn't care about elections. It spreads. It kills. Over 180,000 Americans over age 60 have died. 
more each day. But this election is the only way we can protect ourselves. Nick Cordero. Donald Trump will never have a plan. Joe Biden does. It's simple. To save Americans, we must change presidents. On November 3rd, vote right, like your see, life depends you on it. it. Yeah, because it does. And so that's that's the they were running all these ads. They I think they collected ninety million dollars, and you will recall that the the leaders, the founders, were Rick Wilson, Steve Schmidt. Steve is the one that was in that clip earlier where he said we need to pull it, put a bullet through Donald Trump. Steve was the uh, John McCain's right hand man. Anybody remember that? I surely do remember that. George Conway was married to Kellyanne Conway. And uh, you remember the vitriolic poison he poured forth on a regular basis, embarrassing his wife, humiliating her. Um, it's it was uh, it's so, and also John Weaver, one of the other co-founders. Well, we know now that John was a, a soliciting young men, even as young as uh, fifteen, online for you know what men do with men, the things that are not to be mentioned according to scripture. John was a predator for young men. And so that was the beginning of the chink in the armor. Now we're learning a whole lot more. We're learning that uh, these men, Rick Wilson, Steve Schmidt, George Conway, and John Weaver, and whoever else is involved here, uh, took most of the money. They formed these little groups, and they, uh, they, they galloped off into the sunset. Now they're galloping off to the sunset because it's, dis- it's really dissolving. Everyone's resigning and running for the hills. But meanwhile, these guys got a lot of money, and you know, so you wonder why George Conway would say those things? Well, maybe we know. And also we know that these guys were political consultants. Uh, not George Conway, to my knowledge, but Rick Wilson, Steve Schmidt, and uh, maybe John Weaver. And they that's a whole cottage industry. Uh, co- co- political consultants, uh, for the most part, that this is not always true. Some are champions. Uh, but in general, the ones that are D.C.-centric have no principles and no values, and they will work for either uh, side. And they are the ones, really, they're kind of like the ones who pull the strings behind the scene. They'll guide candidates. Uh, they're the ones that told candidates way back to stop, conservative so-called candidates, to stop talking about abortion and stop talking stop talking about issues on homosexuality or even later gay marriage. Don't talk about that stuff. Just talk about lowering taxes and you remember, don't you? That's you know, Raymond. That's when Republicans were losing everything. But these um, these consultants and Carl Rove is one of them too. They they've raked in millions. And so when President Trump was elected, or when he campaigned, he refused to hire these guys. He did not hire Rick Wilson or Steve Schmidt or George. I don't know. George actually wanted a job. I believe in the Justice Department, and he was turned down. So we have this embittered thing going on, but now the dam is breaking. The dam is breaking on the Lincoln Project. I don't have time to play all of the repercussions, but I think they're in big trouble. I, you know, the thing of it is, they are, they're, you know, they're known as Republicans, even though they don't, they don't, you know, you and I know that they're certainly not conservatives. And they thought, I guess the left, you know, gave them all of this TV time, and this FaceTime, and, you know, fawned over them. And they thought, like we've discussed before, being the useful idiots that they were, that they would be accepted when Trump was booted out. And, um, you know, this, this they would be like part of the gang, part of the mainstream, part of the power brokers. It's not working out that way because what happens is the left will circle the wagons around them. No one's going to defend them. 
they will not be, nobody's going to protect them because they did great damage to Donald Trump. It's not going to happen. And that's the same way with, you know, the, uh, the religious left uh, who have, you know, hated Christians who have supported Donald Trump and done so much damage and really um, cast dispersions really on, in ways that many of them just don't even know what they're talking about, but some of them were intentional. And so uh, they're good, they think they're going to be, you know, ingratiating themselves to somebody somewhere, the intellectual base. I'm not sure. It's not going to work that way. It's not going to work that way. It's just better to stand for what you stand for. And then I have to say this last thing I want to talk to you about. I'm just going to have to tell you because I don't think I have time to play any clips, but maybe we'll see. Uh, the other thing that the, the – uh, this is good news, actually. This is justice. Uh, the wheels are coming off the bus for uh, Andrew, um, Andrew Cuomo. Uh, and I, you will recall, I think of all the things that happened during the COVID, probably nothing upset me. I've, I, not that this matters about me, but it brought me to tears more than once at this microphone. What was happening to the elderly in the nursing homes in New York? Horrible. Andrew Cuomo sent COVID-positive elderly people into uh, nursing homes. And he lied, lied, lied about the number of them that died. So what they were able to do is they pumped up the numbers in New York. That means that because it wasn't accurate reporting, uh, he was able to claim a lot more COVID deaths than actually happened. And remember how he got on the, uh, did press conferences every day and whined about how Trump wasn't sending him enough equipment. We need more of this, more of this body bags, emergency hospitals. They set up, you know, this Trump sent in a ship, a complete ship. Uh, within days, they turned it around and converted it for COVID patients. And uh, Franklin Graham did the same thing for Samaritan's Purse. Now, I don't know what about about uh, Franklin's. I can't say for a fact what happened, but I suspect they didn't have hardly anyone there because that's what happened on the ship. Uh, so, uh, so now we know that Cuomo lied and his own people are turning against him. Some of them had, one of them is a Democratic state rep, and he had parents that are an uncle who died in the nursing home. And people are understanding that this was dastardly, this was horrific, that the innocent were placed in harm's way intentionally in order to, you know, do, do away with the problem, eradicate, I don't know, I don't know what his motivations are, but he's still not admitting it, and he is in deep trouble, uh, and uh, he just won, he won an Emmy for his performances on television every day with all these briefings, I wish I could play you all the nonsense surrounding that but andrew cuomo has been revealed for the monster that he is you know i kind of think that god really really doesn't like it when we kill the innocent i think he's very offended by that i would not want to be in andrew cuomo's shoes this is sandy rios in the morning on afr talk The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.